hold our Bible in our hand and let's make this confession together. I thank you, Father, that your word has the power to change my life. Today, I give heed to it. I allow it to go into my ears, then into my mind, and then into my spirit. I'm a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, and I'll never be the same after today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me, I want you to say follows me. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus also said in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Everyone say, follow me. The New Testament records Jesus saying, follow me, 23 times. And following Jesus is what the Christian life is all about. Jesus didn't say, my sheep will read this book. Jesus didn't say, my sheep will go to church. Now, those who read this book will not walk in darkness, or those who go to church will not walk in darkness. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, those who follow me will not walk in darkness, and those who follow me are my sheep and hear my voice. Now, in order to follow him, we absolutely need the word of God. So don't don't think I've said, oh, so we have to read our Bibles. We absolutely do need to read the Word, know the Word, speak the Word, allow the Word to permeate our whole being. We absolutely need that. But it, reading the Word and studying the Word and speaking the Word is not an end-all in itself. And some people, we're on a campaign this year, how many of you are with us, of reading through or some people listening through the Bible in a year. It's this and this is vitally important that we get the Word in us, but it's not an end in itself it's not okay I read my scripture for the day I'm done I'm done I'm done with whatever God had for me or I went to church this week so I'm done I've done it listen we need to read the word I don't know anybody that reads manuals just for the sake of reading them <laughs> honey I just read the most interesting manual on how to rebuild a carburetor I mean it was just fat it was just so interesting the reason that we read manuals is because we're going to build something or we're going to repair something. So reading this and studying this and getting this on the inside of us is not so we can just say we did our duty. It is to build or repair our lives. And the same thing with uh, church. In order to follow him, we absolutely must be a part of a local church, of a local body. Not only do we use our gifts and ministries here, but the pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists all help us determine the will and plan of God in following him, all speak what the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church for it's, because it's important. All I'm saying is ultimately we want to be sure that these are not an end in themselves because what God has called us to do, our calling is not to read the Bible and our calling is not to go to church. As Micah preached last Sunday on this platform, our calling, we have one calling and that is to be his followers. That one calling then results in everything else in our lives. Following Jesus. So now for 10 years... I have been studying the life and ministry of Jesus. 
And I've been identifying the milestones in his life in being a follower. You know, if I said, uh, I, want everybody, uh, I want everybody to follow Pastor Brad. And Pastor Brad got up and walked out of the room. And I said, uh, okay, I want, I want you and you and you and you to follow him. You'd get up and walk when, wherever he went. You would go, but you'd have to know where he is. He can't be in another part of the state. Let me say, uh, would you get up and follow Pastor Brad? Oh, we don't, I don't know where he is. Where is he? So when we're looking at the life of Jesus, I've identified so far, and I'm still studying, 47 different areas, different things in the life of Jesus that we need to follow. Today, we're going to look at number 37, milestone in the life of Jesus, number 37. And that is how Jesus dealt with distractions. Because Jesus had distractions in his life. Jesus had distractions in his ministry. And we're going to look at how to deal with distractions. I want you to turn with me to John, book of John, chapter 6, and verse 60. John, chapter 6, verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard Jesus' teaching, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about what he was teaching, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Well, I could preach on that for several weeks. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore... I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You only have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So distraction number one that we want, there are two different distractions that Jesus deals with in his ministry that we also deal with. And the first one that I want to talk about right now is people. People can be a serious distraction. And right now people can be wonderful. People can be great. People can be encouragers. People can be teachers. People can, can, can really be, how many of you know, life would be dull if there weren't other people. It was just you on this planet. I know you've been through some things and you wish it was just you on this planet. But ultimately, we need people in our lives. But also, what's sad is it's people sometimes that cause us the greatest pain or people that are distractions in our lives. Everybody here knows what it's like to be betrayed by someone. For someone to give parts of your heart to someone else. Everyone here knows what it's like to be used by someone. See, this is what happened to Jesus. Uh, they leave you when they've gotten everything they can from you. I have poured my life into people. I've spent years building up people, helping people in their lives, helping people in their ministries, helping people only just to have them once they got everything that they needed or everything they could get from me. Uh, bye, Pastor sometimes not even by pastor it's just what happened to so-and-so 
But you've, done, you've dealt with the same thing. People that have done that to you in your business. They've been involved in your business. And then once you helped them over the hump and now they're doing really well, uh, they just leave you. Most people have dealt with that. And relationships, there are relationships. Once you've helped people, you know, people have, have been broken and dealing with a lot of stuff and you've helped them and helped them and helped them. And now that they're doing well, all of a sudden they don't need you anymore. It's awfully quiet in here. Everybody here has been devalued by someone. You value your relationship with them more than they value it. So, but I'm not here to talk about them and talk about that. I'm here to talk about the distraction that that can cause in your life. You can get focused on those people and those situations. Here, Jesus is abandoned by those that he nurtured, blessed, taught, provided for. They were with him on the road. He poured his life into them and he taught one thing that they didn't understand and they said, okay, we're done. Leaving. Of course, I read that and I'm saying, well, at least they said goodbye. <laughs> These are people that he has walked with and done life together with. Psalm chapter 55, verse 12, David, the psalmist David has an interesting thing to say. He says, it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a person my equal, my companion and my friend. We took sweet fellowship together and we walked to the house of God together. So yeah, ever notice that people you don't know can't hurt you? It's people we do know. Sometimes people that we're intimately acquainted with. See now, this could have been a huge distraction to Jesus and his ministry. Jesus had um, 72 disciples and 60 of them just disappeared. 60 out of 72. What percentage of, uh, what percentage of that? Can you imagine that percentage of people? What is that, 90%, 88% of the people in your life just abandon you? And then Jesus could have been really, really distracted by this. But I want to talk with you about how Jesus dealt with this situation so that it did not become a distraction. Anybody here recognize what I'm talking about and realize that people can be a real distraction? Let me tell you what Jesus did not do to keep the distraction alive. Number one, he did not continue to talk about them and keep them alive in his world and the worlds of people around him. Jesus never mentions these people again. Read all four Gospels. He never brings them up again. He doesn't continue to talk about them and continue to keep them alive. You know why it's so quiet in here? Because we do. And we go on and on and on about it. We want to tell this person, we want to tell that person, we want to get on the phone. Can you believe what these people did to me and that person did to me and, and this and that? And, and uh, you know, that just keeps us alive. Some, and you know what? For those of you that live on this, you need to get another life. 
Because some people, this is our life. When things like this happen, it's like, oh goody, now I have something to talk to people about. And we go on and on. We make 40 phone calls in one day telling about what happened to us. Jesus doesn't call anybody. And he didn't even post it on social media. He never speaks of it again, number one. Number two, he doesn't try to turn others against them or persuade others that he was right. He didn't turn to the disciples and say, those knotheads, can you believe what they're doing? Thirdly, and most importantly, he did not alter his course because of them. And fourthly, he didn't cry. Is this too hard? Let's talk about what he did do to keep them from being a distraction. Number one, he ignored them. He totally ignored them. They left. He never spoke about them again. He totally ignored them. So let me ask you, what lengths are you willing to go to to keep people who, uh, who abandon you or hurt you from being a distraction in your life? Are you willing to unfriend people on social media? Now, l- let me tell you something unfriending someone on social media doesn't have to mean that you don't like them that you hate them it just means you don't want to be distracted by them you're trying you're trying to look at somebody oh here's what so-and-so let's see what so-and-so posted what so-and-so is is doing let's see who their friends are now since they've abandoned me and what they're and you're scrolling and we're looking at all this stuff you can unfriend somebody not because you hate them or you're mad at them just because you don't want them to be a distraction in your life anymore and every time i look at facebook i don't want to see them or instagram somebody told me don't use facebook anymore nobody uses that so instagram or whatever so first of all, what lengths are you willing to go to ignore somebody? Yeah, and, you, and let me say, I know I've said this twice. Let me say, you don't have to be angry with somebody or mean or ugly to ignore somebody. It's simply because your life is too important to allow them to run it by distracting you. So then what else did Jesus do to keep from being distracted by them? He gave other people a choice to follow them. I got so many scriptures in the Bible about this. Uh, He gave other people a choice to follow them. Never, this is going to help, so I'm going to help somebody right now. I'm going to prophesy to somebody right now. Never invest your life in a half-hearted friend. Find out whose side they're on now. I hope they don't leave me too. Give them the choice. Jesus didn't badmouth him. He said, you guys going with me? I've got work to do. I got, so I'm focused on what God's called me to do. They're going, decide what you're going to do. I'm going this way, they're going that way. And he never badmouthed them, badmouthed them. And we try so hard to keep people from leaving our lives. One time, years ago in another church, a uh, long time ago, uh, another church, another state, another time, another season, there was a family that left our church and I was devastated I was just crushed we'd been we'd known them before we had even started the church and they'd helped us build the church and I was just crushed and 
I was in my car going over to their house to talk them into coming back. And as I was riding my car, the Holy Spirit filled my car with his voice. And he said, I've been trying to get them out of this church for six months. And now you're going over there trying to get them to come back. <laughs> there are people that leave your life and it crushes you. And God's been trying to get them out of your life for a long time. Huh. Thirdly, he never spoke of them again. We talked about that. And fourthly, he went on with the mission. Now, it's not my intention to be hard, to be too hard. We all have people that we have disagreements with. We all have people that, that uh, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they leave our life. And listen, I'm not talking about, the, the subject that I'm talking about is not being nice and how to be nice. That has its place, and it needs to be talked about. Being nice, treat, treating people civilly, and being, being a blessing to people. And there, are, if, I, if somebody has left my life, if somebody has betrayed me, <coughs> if somebody has used me and discarded me, if somebody has devalued our relationship, and I see, listen, I deal with it in my heart. If I see them out somewhere, I hug them, I love them, I, I, I'm a blessing to them. I don't, I don't act weird. You ever see somebody out and act weird? <laughs> there they are. <laughs> I don't act weird. I'm nice to them. But we're talking, the subject that I'm talking about today is being focused and not being distracted. And sometimes you have to be ruthless when it comes to your future. Amen. I don't want to be, I've had people say this to me, I don't want to be a part of your world, but I still want to be your friend. My world includes my friends. And if you're not a part of my world, you need to get in somebody else's world where you can be their friend. I'm, I'm not trying to be ruthless. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to focus and not get distracted by other people. Sometimes you have to be ruthless when it comes to your future. Jesus was. Jesus knew his future was so important. These people are leaving. Not going to badmouth them. Not going to talk about them. Not going to talk ugly about them. But I got stuff to do. So, bye. Never spoke to him again. Everybody turn this way. Hold your hand up. Say bye. bye. There you go. How hard was that? So first of all, distractions can come from people. Second of all, I want to talk about these distractions. The second source of distractions that Jesus and we deal with as well is the devil himself now the devil works through people i understand that sometimes we think that the people are the devil and they're not so don't that's we're not going there that's a, but sometimes satan can work through people but here in uh, in matthew chapter 4 go with me to matthew chapter 4 y'all learn anything matthew chapter 4 verse 1 Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him 
up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you're the son of God throw yourself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone and Jesus said to him again it is written everybody say it is written you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the third time, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and sh showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And he said to him, all these things, oh, well, I said that. Then verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. <coughs> I need some water, please. And him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. Here, Jesus is fasting and praying. Pardon me. I'm sloppy, aren't I? I'm a sloppy drinker. Thank you for the water trough there. <laughs> I got water all over everything. <laughs> Here Jesus is fasting and praying out in the wilderness, minding his own business. And here comes the devil to distract him from his purpose. Ever happened to you? You didn't ask for trouble. You're minding your own business. You might even be, have been doing something really spiritual, like fasting or praying or getting ready to go to church or reading the word or ministering to somebody and here he comes to distract you there's a famous T.D. Jakes quote everybody wants to claim it but T.D. Jakes said it if the devil can't defeat you he'll distract you and how many of you know that the devil can't defeat us so his next weapon is to distract us from what we know we're supposed to be doing, what we know we're called to do, <clears throat> what we know our tasks are supposed to be, and he wants to distract us. <clears throat> Don't let demonic attacks on your finances, on your health, on your family, your career, distract you from God's best. Everyone say, I will experience God's very best and I will not be distracted <coughs> amen how did Jesus deal with demonic distractions how did he deal with them first of all and here's the contrast he did not ignore it he was ready first Peter I think it's a First Peter chapter 4 maybe I should know where this is but it says don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you don't think it's strange that the enemy is trying to distract you the closer you get to your destiny and your purpose the, the more focused you get on the plan of God the more the enemy is going to try to distract you and Peter is saying why do you think this is strange that you're having these health problems why do you think this is strange that you're having all these financial issues? Why do you think you're, this is strange you're having all these issues in your career? Why do you think this is so strange? Because the enemy wants to distract you. Just like he was trying to distract Jesus in the wilderness. First of all, Jesus did not try to ignore it. Second of all, he was ready. So you just need to realize distractions are going to come. 
They're going to come. They're going to come through people, and they're going to come through circumstances. And Jesus used the Word of God as his offensive weapon. It is written. Three times the enemy tried to distract him, and three times Jesus said what? Couldn't hear you. One more time. It is written. He's quoting the word. It is also your offensive weapon against the enemy. Sickness, lack, emotional challenges. It is written. It is Jesus' defense or offense, depending on how you look at it, against the enemy. Now, um, whoever's running the PowerPoint up here, I'm going to go off the grid for just a second. So just uh, be calm. I'm going to get... You're going to get back on it at 2 Corinthians 10, but we're not going there yet, so don't go there yet. I just want to tell you that most Christians do not understand the power of their words and the power of the Word of God. Most Christians don't understand that. We've heard preaching on it. We've heard teaching on it. We've read books on it, but most Christians do not understand that when you speak, the power of the Word of God manifests itself on the words that you say. Most Christians, I'm convinced most Christians don't understand that. I'm convinced most church Christians don't understand that. Well, Christians are church Christians. I'm convinced most really spiritual Christians don't understand that. I'm convinced most faith Christians don't understand that. Because I see what you post on social media. That's exactly what I thought, brother. God created, if you read Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, God created everything in the universe with his spoken word. And then Jesus also taught us about the power of our words. I've got a series that's free that you can get on our website or on your mobile app if you go to the resources. Uh, I've got a series called Words. They got you into this and they can get you out. And that series right there will save your life. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. <clears throat> Jesus said, have, verse 22 says, have the God kind of faith. For if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things which you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. And most Christians don't understand that power. And when we do start reading that, and we start thinking about that power, then we start thinking, we, we get really, really careful about not saying the wrong things. But that's a small piece of it. If you, if you say the right things, you won't say the wrong things. Most Christians are saying, oh, I want to be careful. I don't want to confess anything negative. And so we're so careful that we don't say the wrong things, but you need to be speaking the right things things when confronted with obstacles and distractions in your life you don't pray about it well I got quiet in here well I just really feel like the enemy's really after me I'm going to pray about it don't pray about it don't ask God to fix it he's not going to he already did on the cross. Jesus already died for our sins and all of our shortcomings. He, he carried everything on the cross. And so we need to, Mark eleven twenty two through 24, go home and look it up if you don't have your Bible. It's exactly what it says. Get that series. It's free. Off the, come on, it's free. Amen. Amen. Words. 
they got you into this they can get you out (laughs) speak to it our bookstore has copies of God's promises for your every need and you can look up whatever you're dealing with and it gives you the scriptures right there to say and you speak to these distractions now Jesus did not give up and abandon his mission Satan gave up and abandoned his mission when Jesus was in the wilderness he stayed focused and he didn't get distracted by the enemy Satan eventually abandoned his mission and that'll happen to you if you'll stand strong on the word keep saying it keep saying it by his stripes I was healed how many times do I have to say that pastor Steve Uh, until it works you mean two days I don't care if it's two days two weeks two months or two years you stand on the word see Jesus the first time Jesus spoke the word to the enemy he didn't leave so the second time Jesus spoke to the enemy he didn't leave is it because the third time is the charm no it's because Satan realized he's just going to keep quoting Bible scriptures so I'm giving this up so that's what needs to happen in our life Satan gave up and abandoned his mission and he'll do that in your life if you'll stand strong and not get distracted now let me close out by saying this most people get these backwards they want to ignore the devil when he distracts them and then talk about people when people distract them second corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in god for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of christ we take every thought uh, captive to the obedience of christ because distractions think about this for a second think about it you ready all distractions are thoughts this can happen it doesn't matter what happens what makes it a distraction is when it captures your thoughts all distractions are thoughts and this says that we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ speak to it if it's the devil ignore it if it's people this is how christ handled them this is how we handled them and we move on with the mission i want everybody to stand up with me and i want everybody to say i'm going to move on with the mission i refuse to be distracted by people by the devil by circumstances by sickness by financial lack I refuse to be distracted by emotional issues but I'm going to stand strong stay focused speak to the mountains command them to move in Jesus name there are people that I need to ignore there are people I need to cut out of my thought life and I'm going to do it today in Jesus name did you get anything out of this message amen now before we 
before we go, we're going to worship some more of the teams up here. We're going to worship some more. Before we do that, I want to, I just want to, come up here, honey. I want to add my faith. Connie and I want to add our faith to yours. Now, we can't pray away the distractions. I'd love to just have a, I'd love to have a line up here, have everybody come up here who has a distraction in your life and just lay my hands on you in Jesus' name and command the distractions to leave and they just go. People would leave here, you know, people would be posted on social media what a great service it was. The altar was full of people dealing with distractions. So the only problem is two days later you'd have the same distractions back because it doesn't happen that way. You have to deal with it. You have to ignore the people and you have to speak to the devil. Ignore the people, speak to the devil. That's how it happens. But we do want to, come, we do want to join our faith with you that as you speak to these distractions and as you deal with the people in your life that you have complete and total victory in your life. We want to join our faith with you. So I want, if you've got distractions that you're dealing with right now in one area or the other, I don't want you to call them out. I just want you to raise your hand. You got distractions in your life and you're going to deal with them. You're going to deal with them today. You're not, you're not raising your hand saying, Pastor Steve, pray for me. The distractions are going away. You're raising your hand saying, Pastor Steve, pray for me because I'm dealing with this today. I'm tired of allowing distractions to keep me from God's plan in my life and God's best. Amen. Keep those hands up. Let's pray. Did you bring a mic with you? Yeah. Will you pray? Father God, we just come before you right now. And we thank you for the mission that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, that you've set our feet on a path toward glory. And we thank you, Lord, that the call that you placed on our life is not, it doesn't go away, that it's always there. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the power and the ability and the strength by your spirit and by your word to be able to accomplish everything you called us to. And now we commit ourselves, Lord, to set our face like a flint toward the thing that you called us to. We say in Jesus' name that though we love and uh, your people, we love the people that, that are in our lives, and we know that you love them too, Lord, that when we are beyond the ability to, to connect with them or be able to impact them in any good way, that we can leave them to you, Lord God, and move on moving toward the thing that you've called us to, moving toward those who are still ready to receive what you've put in us to bring to them. And we thank you, Lord, that we have victory over the devil, that he is under our feet, and that we can speak to him. We speak your word, and when we open our mouths and speak your word, the gates of heaven are open and angels come through to, to accomplish it. We thank you that every demon in hell is defeated by the power of your kingdom, Lord. And we just thank you that when we open our mouths, that power is released. And we walk right over the devil. We tread on serpents and scorpions and over everything that would defeat us or attempt to defeat us because we are focused on what you've called us to. In Jesus' name. Keep praying. I'm looking up something. Hallelujah. Lord. <laughs> Lord, I just pray your hand is on every person's life here today. I thank you, Lord, that you give them excitement and 
expectation about what you've called them to. I thank you that all the sorrows and the griefs of their life were lifted off. I thank you, Lord, that that has been taken away from them and that they are rejoicing, excited about the victories that you've set in place for them in Jesus' name. Romans 11:29 says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Amen. And I'm prophesying to more than one person here today. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That means that no matter what you've dealt with, no matter what distractions have gotten you off course, that that calling is still there. And there are people, there's more than one, there are people here that are thinking, you know, I knew God wanted me to do this. I knew that I was supposed to do that. I knew I was supposed to go in this direction. I knew, I knew that this was God's plan, but I got distracted with this. I got in the wrong relationship. I got in the wrong business. I got in, I got in the wrong focus. And now I'm sure that's passed me by. Romans 11:29. the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Which means once he places that, gift in your life. It's still there. It's still there. Amen. And he knew you would mess up, so he planned around it. All you have to do, you're one step off course. That's all it is. Just one step. Just step back over, and you're right there. Yep. All you got to do is say, okay, I missed it. And uh, so, God, I have gotten distracted, and now I am back on course. What's my next step? Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray for every person who's gotten off course. We thank you that it's still there. It's still there. It's not on the shelf. Satan is a liar. Wants us to think that we're washed up. But it's still there. And we thank you, God, for the power of your spirit in us that continues to lead us into what you have for us. No matter what circumstances have occurred in Jesus' name. You know, while, while we're here, I just really sense that right now I need to give people an opportunity to make a decision to follow Christ. And as I was preparing this message, I felt really strongly that there were people that have been distracted even from making a decision to follow Christ. You should have. You could have. But this happened. That happened. This got in the way. You got distracted by this. And so now here you are. But it's not too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you so that you could be free. His blood washes away all of our sins. Everybody here has made a decision to follow Christ. Everybody here has done what you're about to do. And it doesn't matter how late it is in your life or how... Uh, how early it is, how late it is, what stage the Holy Spirit is drawing you into the kingdom of God. And it's time for you to come home. Spiritually, it's time for you to come home and make that decision to follow Christ. Would everyone bow your heads, please? Close your eyes in the building. Because of sin, we were all separated from God. But Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross for your sins so that you could experience his best. And whatever distractions, whatever people have distracted you, whatever circumstances have distracted you, today's the day the Holy Spirit's drawing you into the kingdom of God. Maybe you used to serve God, you've fallen away from the Lord. 
something's come between you and God, you got distracted, or maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ before. This is the first time you've ever done this. This may have even been the first time you've been to church. But today's your day. The Holy Spirit's drawing you. So while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, everybody that wants to pray this prayer with us, everybody that wants to make a decision to follow Christ, we're going to lead you in a prayer right there where you're standing. And everybody that wants to pray this prayer, I want you to raise your hand real high. Keep it up where I can see it. I'm going to pray this prayer with you right now. Thank you, Father. Amen. God bless you. I see that hand. I see this hand over here. I see that hand right there. Who else? Who else? Don't let, don't let the enemy distract you. Don't let people distract you. One day, we're all going to stand before God. And when he says, what did you do with my son when you were invited to make a decision to follow Christ? We're not going to be able to point to other people and say it was their fault. Let's stand up and make a decision to follow Christ. It's between you and God today. Anybody else? We've got several people that have raised their hands. Anybody else want to make a decision to follow Christ? One more time. Thank you, Father. You can put your hands down. We've got several people that have raised their hands this morning that want to make decisions to follow Christ. We're going to pray a prayer with you right there where you are. I want you to pray this prayer with us. In fact, we're all going to pray this prayer with you because you're about to become our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's all bow our heads. Let's all pray together with them. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I thank you that you willingly came and paid the price for my sin with your death on the cross so that I could be free to serve you, free to spend eternity with you, and free to fulfill my destiny in you. I turn away from my sins today, and I say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come and live on the inside of me now, and empower me to be the Christian that the Bible promises me I can be. As I come to church and I get involved in church life, my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give them a big hand. Amen. Come on, church. It's a big day for them.